0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 524, recorded Thursday, April 1st, 2021. April 1st.
0: It's April Fool's Day, Jason.
1: That's what they tell me.
0: I didn't get fooled by anything today, though. No, I did not really either. In fact, I barely even noticed it was April Fool's Day for some reason. Yeah. It, it's also my boss's birthday. I work at a very small company, so oh, he's yeah. a guy I've known for a long time. And April 1st is his birthday, so happy birthday, Mark. But the other fun thing about that is um, he's he's kind of a guy who who enjoys a good joke, you know? And I thought for a long time. That like him having his birthday on April first was just some sort of long con joke he was playing. I don't know if I've right. ever mentioned that before, but turns out it actually is his birthday. And you saw some ID? Uh no, but I, I trust his wife more more oh, than yeah. I more than I trust him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so uh, it was his birthday, and um, today we we have this you know sort of daily quick stand up meeting uh, at eleven o'clock every morning, and we don't stand up anymore because everyone's at home on some sort of video call.
1: Yeah. They're just called standups. You don't have to stand up.
0: No, that's right. And, and so we're all on that today. And then suddenly like mystery person joins, which was weird and nobody knew what was happening. Uh, and, uh, it was a, it was a birthday greeting and very, very funny. And I I enjoyed that. So she set that up.
1: That's great. Yeah. Jenny got fooled, uh, today. I've, Don't know what site she went to, but uh, she found a recipe for peanut butter and jam soup. And uh, she's like, what the,
0: and started reading it and it was a joke. (laughs) Well, at least she didn't start making it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sounds awful. I mean, I've been liking soup more and more lately, and we had an episode recently uh, all about soup uh, and motorcycle fixing, Uh, but uh, peanut butter and jam soup,
0: yuck. It doesn't sound very good, but peanut butter and jam on toast, delicious. Uh, That would be delicious, yeah. All right. Well, happy April Fool's Day, everybody. We're not going to be doing any April Fooling here. You know, I thought about maybe announcing that the podcast was was ending. or no, it's you know, tough
1: to do. I, you can't do stuff like that. they would be like, hey, the podcast won a billion dollars, and now we're going to, you know, you can't fake people out like that, even if it's, uh, you, you have to do something a little
0: more gentle. Or clever. I'm not clever, so. Well, there's, yeah, that's the problem. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, brother, because uh, I'm not clever either. All right. Well, there you go. Hey, it's also Easter this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm, lot that's going, true. A lot going on this weekend. So uh, tomorrow is a holiday, at least where we live. I got Monday off too, which is so nice. So I'm going to enjoy the long four-day weekend. And uh, welcome to Easter, everyone, if Easter is your thing. Yeah. All right. Well, now that all the local and international celebratory events are out of the way for this mm-hmm. weekend. We have some listener feedback to do and this is of course listener feedback for Diverged, episode 21 of season 10 of The Walking yeah. Dead. Cool. And here we go. Listener feedback. All right, I'm going to start off on a slightly lighter note, Jason, with an email from Dominique, who well who actually sent this on Facebook to me. Dominique writes A soup was made. A bike was repaired. Next week on The Walking Dead, someone finds a screwdriver and a walker is found in an old phone booth. (laughs) (laughs) I think Dominique is taking the piss a little bit and trying to say that this episode was rather pedestrian.
1: An Old phone booth. What kind of phone booth has a zombie,
0: could hold a zombie in it? You know how old that phone booth would have to be? Well, phone booth doors can be tricky, right? I mean, they, they fold in the middle, at least some of them do. And, and if you're in there and you don't know which way to push or pull or whatever, you can get confused. And I think if a zombie was stuck in there, it's not going to know what to do.
1: The last time I saw an actual phone booth with doors, it was, uh, in the mall, in the Sioux, in the early nineties, uh, there was a, a British store opened and they put an old, they put a British phone box outside. Like the big red ones? Yeah. And that was the only, and it worked. It had an actual phone in it, but that was the last time I saw a phone booths with, with a door.
0: Well, I've been to London in the last, well, a couple times in the last five years, and they have lots of those <laughs> around.
1: Oh, good. Because they're great.
0: They are. Uh, yeah. You don't see a lot of phone booths around here anymore, but sometimes you still see the odd pay phone.
1: How is Superman supposed to get changed?
0: it's a really where? good question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like in the street, like a chump? No, he get charged with a fucking crime,
0: nowadays. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> and should to... be, and rightly so. Yeah, for changing his. Although he probably wears it under his 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 regular clothes, so even still the still cape... weird man. <laughs> 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 it's definitely still weird. <laughs> Anyways, thank uh, you, Dominique, for that. Yeah, thank
1: you for that. All right, next we have an email from Justine in Norcal. Overall, I enjoyed this episode as Daryl. As the Daryl bits reminded me quite a bit of the movie Castaway, most of which has very little dialogue while Tom Hanks explores his island home. I didn't enjoy the Carol bits as much. I found them rather frustrating, although I did enjoy seeing Jerry. Side note, I also wonder how they chose which characters to feature in these extra episodes and why we've gotten
0: two about Carol and Daryl. Is it all about which actors could travel to Georgia? You know, it could be something like that. I also think it's just kind of an economy of actors in this situation. You get them on set and they want to make the most of it because not everyone yeah. can come back, right?
1: You keep the crew small, you keep the actors small, you keep the, the whole thing as small and as uh, contained uh, and has separated. Can you contain something that's separated? I don't know. But
0: as controlled as possible. Yeah, exactly. It's just like the other week when... Uh, Um, Eleanor couldn't make it to the set to portray Yumiko, right? So they had her record some voice somewhere from somewhere else, some remotely record some lines. And then her stunt double stood in for her in the scene where they had hoods over their heads. So, you know, some people can't make it. Uh, and as you said, they just want to keep it small. So I guess they decided to do two episodes featuring the same two characters. And they decided on Daryl and Carol because why not? Right. They're, yeah. they're favorites.
1: Well, if anything, if we're learning anything because of this, uh, this pandemic that's going on still, still going on. True. Crying out loud. If we've learned two things, it's, uh, I think a lot of people can successfully work from home and businesses are realizing that. And two actors are optional for television. Uh, really because uh, it doesn't seem like we need to have all the actors and even the ones that are supposed to be there, eh, if they don't show up, we can we can work around it.
0: Well, I wouldn't call them entirely optional. I mean, they do have to appear on screen once in a while, but given the right circumstances and the right writing and filming techniques, yeah, they can they can fool us, right? They can use yeah. a stand-in, they can use a voice without seeing someone. They can shoot a whole conversation between people who were never in the same room and then just cut it together creatively.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's no problem. They no. probably do that a lot. I mean, uh look at Ian McKellum in uh the Hobbit movies which you never saw.
0: Well, I saw right? the first one. I, I watched the first Hobbit movie, I think. Well, anyway, uh he played Gandalf, right?
1: Am I getting the right actor?
0: Uh <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Ian anyway, I don't know. Yeah.
1: He, uh, he was getting frustrated with The Hobbit because he spent most of the time acting alone in a green screen because he kept just fighting monsters and stuff all by himself. So he was getting very annoyed. He's a professional actor and he likes to act with other people, but he was spending most of those multiple movies
0: by himself. And it was, uh, very frustrating for him. You know, I could see how that would be annoying, I guess. You want he, he's a social guy. Yeah. Whoever he was.
1: (laughs) It's hard to act in a vacuum. I think. It would be hard for me. Actually, it'd probably be best for me because if nobody else was around, that might be probably easier for me to act than if, you know, there was a camera pointed at me. It would be horrible.
0: So what you're saying is you do all your acting in the shower? Uh, Yeah, because there's hardly
1: anybody else around. Rarely is there anyone else in there. (laughs) Rarely. Yeah. yeah. And I've been on camera before. I did uh, a couple of commercials and some interstitials with the clown band and various uh, morning shows and stuff. And I fucking hate it every second of it, of being in front of a camera. I despise it. I never want to do it again if I can manage it.
0: Well, number one, I'm glad you don't feel the same way about a microphone. And number two. Yeah. Why haven't I seen these videos? You got to have them somewhere, right?
1: I have the commercial. Scott and I were in this commercial for a t-shirt store in the suit called Jersey Dean. Uh, that was way back when we were riding by in front and he stopped us and said, hey, I want you to be in a commercial. Come back next Saturday. So we did. Uh, and the clown band stuff, I'm not sure if I have a copy of any of that. Oh stuff. man, that's unfortunate. i watched
0: watch that There's for some sure.
1: things. There's some things. Yeah, we did the morning show in Singapore. We did the uh, the closing ceremonies in Shanghai. Which I think I mentioned before was over was just over a hundred million people expected expected viewers. What, the Olympics? No, it was the closing ceremony for the uh, the children's the Shanghai International Children's Cultural and Art Festival. Ooh. That's the full name of this thing. Yes, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh but it was a big deal in Shanghai. They brought in children's and family acts from all over the world. There were acrobats from Russia. There was uh, you know, vocal groups from New Zealand, all kinds of things. Uh, Came together and was apparently a very, very big deal. And the closing ceremonies were broadcast live nationally in China. And they expected, we asked how many people were expected to view this. And they kind of hummed and hawed and back and forth a little bit and said, 109 million? Yeah. Jesus, age, Christ. You told me that before I go on? (laughs) Crazy
0: (laughs) bastards. Four times the population of Canada? Yeah,
1: it was was rather stressful because I had to juggle. And I did not drop a pin. I was very proud of myself, but I did not get
0: a recording of that. Well, someone go Google that quickly and see if you can find a funny clown band with a juggling clown. <laughs> yeah, it was
1: yeah, back in nineteen
0: ninety-seven was yeah. when that happened. So good luck. <laughs> well, my everything's on YouTube, man. Okay, let's continue here. Brian in Bury or Bury, Manchester. Bury. All right. Oh dear. For me, Diverged is the low point of the entire run of Walking Dead. Look up boring in the dictionary, and there will be a still from this episode. Maybe something about making soup. The only moment of interest was being trapped under a car for 30 seconds. Well. Yeah, the, the car moved a little bit.
1: Oh, okay, he's fine. <laughs>
0: that's right. Don't, <laughs> don't get too worried, everyone. He's fine. Yeah. Anyways, Brian, sorry you didn't like it, but you're not the only one.
1: All right, next we have an email from John in Shoeberiness, England. It's a question. Yes, it is. Uh, John writes What a bloody awful episode! It was like a mashup of Pioneer Woman, Caesar Milan, A Team, and some junkyard repair TV show. There was no payoff at the end either, so it felt like a waste of time. Jerry never seemed to lose any weight, so he must be getting food from somewhere, and Dog was very inconsistent in this episode. They had two favorite characters for the whole episode, and Wasted could have been a great
0: episode. I mean, number one, how dare you criticize Dog?
1: Well, yes. I mean, he was inconsistent. I mean, he's cute as hell, but, uh, you know, he had some... Acting Acting issues. issues. He did. That's very true. (laughs) And the last line here, they had two favorite characters for the whole episode and wasted what could have been a great episode. Uh, I assume he's talking about Jerry and Dog, right? Of course. Yeah. Jerry and Dog. Okay. So that's what he meant. I I didn't know whether he was talking about uh, Carol and
0: Daryl or Jerry and Dog. I assume Jerry and Dog. When you say great characters, I mean, Jerry and Dog come to the top of the list, I think. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, The other thing though is... I don't think I understand his references off the top. Uh, Pioneer Woman, Caesar Milan, A Team, and some junkyard repair show. I know what the A Team is. Yep. Do you know what the rest of those things are? I do not.
1: He's <laughs> okay. from England, so I assume it's English. English. Uh, I did watch uh, an English junkyard uh, repair TV show. It's called The Bodgers, uh, I think, or Bodger, uh, which is slang for somebody who fixes something. Oh. Uh, so I did watch something like that for a while, uh, but I don't know what Caesar Milan
0: or Pioneer Woman is. I hope it's not offensive, offensively slang, but if it was the name of a show, it probably No, isn't. it's
1: not offensive. It was the name of a TV show. It's, it's, it's accepted slang for, you know, you bodge something together. Ah, okay. Right. Fair enough.
0: All right. Well, uh, moving on here, we've got George from Rastrick. George says, I'm struggling with this episode. On one hand, I've looked forward to a lower key episode showing life in the apocalypse, and I enjoyed the use of the penknife as a symbol of them not being whole without each other. But there was more happening, and that their but I wish there was more happening, and that their stories tied together a bit more. I guess there was a clue in the name; it wasn't called "Tied Together" for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nope, and
1: I. And I didn't catch it, but that pen knife, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, reminds me of, uh, uh, Tremors. You ever seen the movie Tremors?
0: Yeah, but I don't remember it very well. A long time ago.
1: Well, you should do what I do and watch it eight or nine times. Okay. Uh, so there's a lighter in, in that movie. And every time somebody needs a, a lighter, somebody else has it. Like there's three main characters. There's, uh, uh, Kevin Bacon and... A couple other guys, Reba McIntyre. Mag- Rac- Me- Reba McIntyre is in this movie for
0: crying out loud. Reba McIntyre, I love
1: her. Reba Re- McIntyre <laughs> and the uh, the father from uh, uh, Married with Children, Family Ties. Oh, Family
0: Ties. Michael Gross.
1: Yeah, so him and Reba McIntyre. Tire, oh, damn it! We're married in this uh, in this movie. You should watch it. It's a really good movie. I've seen it like plenty of times. But the lighter, every time somebody needed the lighter, somebody else had it. Like no, they not the same person did not have that lighter twice in a row. And even if somebody needed it, it wasn't
0: them that had it later. It was somebody else. Interesting. Uh, it was that, quite funny. That seems like a funny thing. I, I all I remember. It's it's a movie about like big desert worms, right? Yeah, underground worms. Yeah. And
1: yeah, okay. uh, yeah so the, the tremors, when when you walked on the dirt, they would come a running and try and eat you.
0: Right. And it's Kevin Bacon. So how can you go wrong?
1: It's a great movie. I mean, it's a crappy movie, but it's a great
0: crappy movie. Sure. I haven't seen it in a long time, but you know, I'll add it to the list. You should. Wait, where are we now? It's you. Uh,
1: oh, it's me. Okay, next we have a call from Mike.
2: What kind of episode was that? The Carol and Darrell Show. This is Mike Hills from England. And that has to be a waste of an hour of my life. I can never get an hour back. That was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Can I just say one thing? I'm re-watching Fear the Walking Dead. It may be a better TV show now. Did I just... Did I say that really loud?
0: No, Mike, <laughs> you said it at a perfectly acceptable volume. Yeah. It's uh, all relative, right? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. Maybe the that thing probably adds some compression to the audio. So maybe he did yell it and it just brought the level down. I don't know. Uh, maybe. It didn't sound like it, though. But uh, thanks, Mike, for that. Fear the Walking Dead, the first half of, what are we, in season six, yeah. was pretty solid. Remember when we, we talked about that? Yeah. like earlier on and whenever the hell it was. Yeah. 15 years ago. Something like that. Yeah. Pretty solid. And I'm actually really looking forward to the second half, which starts uh, next week. So. What?
1: It's next week?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It starts immediately following this final episode of season 10. No rest for the wicked. Walking Dead podcasters, Jason. Why doesn't this train ever stop? It doesn't. Like,
1: even real trains stop at stations for a while and then they let people off and let people on and, you know, take a break for a little bit and say all aboard and get going again. Like, Holy crap. Well, this is, What is
0: this? Uh, what's that frozen train movie called? Um, Ice
1: train? Ice? No.
0: <laughs> I don't know. But while you're trying to think of that, just remember. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yes. Yeah. That train does not stop. This train does not stop. I want to be on a train that stops every now and again. Well, this train, come on, it does stop every now and then. We had a whole pandemic off. I mean, not a whole pandemic, but we did have some time there. Usually there's a break between seasons. But, you you know, we're at the beginning of the never-ending train right now, which is weird considering we're wrapping up the 10th season of this show, because as we figured out, we're coming through these bonus episodes we're going right into fear then i assume we're going right into world beyond Then i assume we're going right into season 11 and then we're probably going into fear again or something like that so you know pull up your pants and get ready to podcast and i thought i was busy in my 20s that was nothing no and then you met me and i'm like hey you want to do a podcast about a tv show it's not just a podcast it's everything (laughs) it's
1: just that uh, nothing ever stops there's no breaks at all i just
0: Nope. Somebody give me an hour, just you're, an hour. That's all I want. Your job is busier than ever. You have a son now. You've got a house to worry about. You've got all kinds of things going on. Plus this, and yep. probably other shows to watch. I mean, no, there's no break.
1: Uh, TV's stressful. When TV gets stressful because there's so much, I get, I'm behind on, uh, my Winter Soldier and the Falcon thing. Uh, you know, I haven't even started that and that's always stressful because there's, there's, uh, spoilers on the internet for all that. And I got to keep up. It's yeah, just, you do. It's so stressful. Everything well, is stressful.
0: Well, there's only two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far, until tomorrow when there'll be a third. Um, but it's not as good as WandaVision.
1: Well, don't spoil anything. And I'm also behind a couple of episodes on For All Mankind, and I really like that show. It comes out every Friday. Now there's another one coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I can't. I can't keep
0: up. <laughs> Plus, speaking of Robert Kirkman, there's Invincible on... Prime now, the animated show based on his other comic, which is actually pretty good. I've seen the first three.
1: Wait a minute. They made a
0: TV show out of that? It's animated. Ad- adult animated. It's it's not for kids.
1: That's about that, that superhero that the... Uh, uh... Okay, I'm not going to spoil anything because it, I, I read the comic. It was fucking great.
0: Yeah, no, Amazon Prime, Invincible, uh, animated show for adults. Check it out. There's only three out, but I think the <sighs> next one probably comes tomorrow as well. You rat bastard!
1: You just add it to my list. Thank you very much. All right. Well, stupid enjoyable
0: entertainment. <laughs> I know, eh? What a time we live in. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do a call here from Robbie.
3: Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Robbie from outside Boston. Uh, first time reaching out to you guys. Just a little context i love the episode i uh me personally when i watch these episodes i don't anticipate it pushing the story along too long so i think if you go into it with the mindset for these bonus episodes you probably enjoyed a lot more and in regards to dog going with carol i think it's dog knowing that carol needed his help or his company more than daryl did at that time If you take dog out of this episode, I feel like Carol would have lost her mind even more without dog being there to comfort her. And in regards to him sitting there and watching her the second time, rip apart the wall, it's because she yelled at him the first time. So I feel like he just kind of learned from that. And in regards to where is everybody else at Alexandria, they are probably on the outside of the wall. And that's why you didn't see everybody else. Again, I love this episode. You just got to look below the surface and check all the little details and, uh, See the relationship of Carol and Daryl, where it's at, and the turmoil, and how they basically need each other, and they work better as a team. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Robbie. So you see, it's not all negative, It's not all negative, and I wanted to mention that actually a minute ago, but forgot that there is definitely some negativity in, in the feedback this week and around this episode in general. But it's not all bad, and we do have some more positive takes on it, including Robbie there, who I do think makes a really good point when he says that the the interactions between dog and carol are more important than they may seem off on the surface because she's talking to dog she's expressing her feelings which is really just communicating it to us the audience and that's that's an interesting dynamic right animals are there yeah. like people live longer when they have pets i've heard you know people have lower stress from petting dogs and so on so why not let Dog, stay with Carol for a while and let her work some stuff out by chatting with dog. All right, it, I'm getting a dog. Well, talk to, talk to my kids, man. They talk about getting a dog every other day. They really, really <sighs> want a dog. I don't know what I'm going to do.
1: My wife misses the cats. She wants to get another cat.
0: Yeah. Well, go for it. <laughs> I would get cats too. I've, I've, I grew up with cats, but I'm kind of allergic to them. So I'm hesitant to get a cat. Because it could go either way. Like some cats don't bother my allergies as much for some reason. It just depends on the animal, I think. But like your cats, for example, damn near killed me. I don't know what it was about them. Um, Uh, Yeah, they're just, they exuded, you know, allergens. Sure. But I mean, your cats were great. I love them. I love cats, but I didn't want to be around your cats. But then there's the other odd cat that I see that doesn't seem to bother me so much. But I also am just, I like animals. I would love to get a dog. I'm just not interested in training a dog. I just want the dog to come fully baked and behaved. And that's, yeah. I mean, like I guess, kids. I guess you can get rescue dogs that are like that, but I don't know.
1: Well, you, yeah, it's a lot of work. Right. It's a lot of work. And you got to take puppy paternity leave and, uh, you know, get the dog acclimated to the house. And then you got to take a training class so that you can learn how to train the dog. So you it's kind of train the trainer kind of thing. hmm uh, you know, puppy classes, you could go to puppy classes and then, uh, I, I don't know, get that's, them
0: a crate. That's if you get a puppy, but you don't necessarily have to get a puppy, right? You can get a grown dog and I don't know. I don't know. We think about it a lot around here.
1: Uh, well, now's the time. It There's probably, probably a backlog. There's probably a waiting list for all dogs at this point.
0: Who knows? I dog don't raiders.
1: know. You could just go to the pound and get one, I guess.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. Get a rescue. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll see. I don't know. Kids are old enough to walk the dog though. That's nice.
1: Oh, good. All right. Next we have an email from Zoe in Sarnia, Ontario. I watched Angela, Angela's, I watched Angela Kang's thoughts on this episode and they made sense of it. I thought the rat was kind of stupid and I didn't see the point. And then when I heard her take on it, the rat is supposed to represent everything that is going wrong with Carol, Daryl, and Alexandria. At the end of the episode, the rat finally runs out and Daryl comes back. Maybe that means everything, that means everything is going to start looking up for them at Alexandria.
0: Yeah. The rat is an infection in their relationship and in Alexandria and in the wheat, apparently. But in the end, the rat leaves. Or, you know, at least runs out of the garage. It kind of goes around the corner and probably back in the hole in the other side of the wall. But let's just yeah, ignore just like that.
1: I'm, I'm getting the hell out of the line of sight back to the 75 friends and family that I have inside the walls.
0: But if you ignore that and take it as a metaphor, the rat has left the building. And so maybe, you know, as Zoe says, Alexandria is going to look up. Things will be looking up again. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. I do hope so. But I probably also don't think that's very likely because as we know, we can't have any happiness on this show for too long.
1: No, this is not a, this is not a comedy. Definitely not a comedy. It's supposed, supposed to not be a comedy. We had some comedic moments, but we'll let those go for now.
0: Sure. All right. Here's Cindy from Columbus, Ohio. I know a lot of people are down on this episode, but I really liked it. It was nice to see the trials and tribulations they go through in their everyday lives. I thought for sure Carol was was going to put that rat in the soup. I'd have to be pretty desperate to eat that.
1: Well, I don't know if I'd go out and, you know, make rat soup today, but I don't think I'd have to be desperate. I just, I think I would need to, A, be hungry and B, be able to catch a rat, which I'm not entirely (laughs) confident of.
0: Yeah. I just think it's funny that you would say, you know what? I'd eat a rat if I was a bit hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it depends know? on what else
1: is out there. You know, uh, all animals are opportunistic, right? It's all a matter of calories, right? It's it's finding calories and taking the easiest calories you can possibly get. And animals are like that. Uh, you know, you watch a deer, there's videos of deer that get, uh, that get close enough to a rabbit and the deer will friggin' eat the rabbit or the wreath the squirrel, or what have you. And I told you about the time that I was uh, down at uh, Toronto City Hall with my wife for having lunch, and there was uh, little sparrows running around and some seagulls. And this seagull grabbed a sparrow, chomped twice, swallowed it, and then flew off. That is bizarre. Like within three feet of us. I'm like, what the hell? So all animals are opportunistic just because they have herbivore on their title card uh, in the (laughs) index catalog of the animal type uh, doesn't mean that they're not opportunistic. And they will eat animals
0: if they can get a hold of them. Sure, and you're all trying right. to say so humans are the same thing. So if you humans get a are of exactly a rat... the
1: same thing, we just have this negative connotation of rats. Rats are gross. Rats live in the sewers. Uh, rats carry disease. These are all true, but they still got meat. You clean the fur off of them, get the skin off of there, you know, clean out their bowels, shake it out
0: a little bit, wash it off, throw it on the Barbie. <laughs> it's just meat. All right, it doesn't matter. So, given uh, the choice, rat or snake.
1: Uh, either one, I don't care. I, I need a snake. Apparently it tastes like chicken.
0: Uh, yeah, that's what they say about everything. Well, it's uh,
1: because chickens are dinosaurs and sore snakes, right? They're they're all lizards from the past. So sure. So they all taste the same. Rat
0: or turtle? Like Enid ate a turtle, remember?
1: <sighs> I've heard turtle is really good, but I have a moral objection to eating turtles because they can live so long. Uh, you know, from the, you know, they had those giant ancient turtles that they found on the Galapagos Mm -hmm. and all the ships that would go out to the Galapagos islands would take a turtle because they were so big that they wanted to prove to people back home that uh, these turtles could get to be this big. But it took them like 50 years to be able to get a turtle back because every time they tried, they'd eat hungry and make turtle soup. And they just, they'd eat the goddamn turtle on the way home and everybody would be like, well, why'd you eat the turtle? Now I don't know if it exists. So it took a long time for... Uh, a crew to actually have the, uh, uh, you know, the mental fortitude to not eat the turtle, hmm. but turtles are ancient, can be ancient, beautiful creatures. So I don't know if I'd eat a turtle. It's like eating a horse. You could eat a horse, but they're so nice.
0: I know, I but know that's not even horse. that uncommon. I think eating horses. No, I've... neither is eating turtles. Turtle that's... soup. I mean, that's pretty common. I guess, although I've never seen it on a menu. I have seen horse on a menu in a restaurant. No. Yeah. In in Switzerland. It wasn't in Canada. It was in Switzerland. Horse was on the menu and I wasn't old enough to, I didn't have enough confidence in my, myself to order it. So I ordered something else, but I, I, I think, think I now I might order horse. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. It probably tastes like I'd eat chicken. a rat long before I ate a horse. Wow. Really? I can, I can tell you that. I mean, I'd, I'd kill and cook a rat long before I killed and cooked a horse, but.
1: Well, that's the exact, that's, that's the situation. It's not that I would order rat on the menu <laughs> as opposed to ordering horse on the menu. I think I'd probably choose the chicken at that point sure. or snake or whatever, not shark fin soup because that's just evil. Uh, but I, I would kill and I, I don't have a lot of confidence in being able to kill a horse. Let's just start there. Well, good point. Right. I could probably kill a rat if I could trap it. Uh, a horse. That it, it'd take, I'd be, have to be pretty hungry to what, stab a horse in the neck. I mean, how would you kill a horse? not going to punch it.
0: (laughs) No, it's not going to work, man. I feel like all the questions today are taking us (laughs) on uh, very strange, in strange directions. So why don't we uh, keep her going here with the next one?
1: Yeah. Okay. Where are we, Karen? That's correct. All right. Karen in Los Angeles writes, why would it matter if the soup contents were knocked on the ground? It's not like she wasted any of the food or washed any of the food or her hands. It's still, she's still wearing dirty gloves and cutting it up with Daryl's dirty pocket knife and nothing about Daryl seems clean. So I can't imagine the knife is any different. It might've been better if she had washed it off after it hit the floor.
0: Right. So we had mentioned that the food fell on the floor and that was a problem, but, uh, really Probably doesn't matter all that much.
1: Yeah, I guess in this episode, I never really noticed, but it seems like their society has taken a step back from cleanliness.
0: You think so? Overall? I think they've well, always been pretty dirty.
1: But, you know, wash your hands. I mean, sanitation is a very important concept. I mean, even raccoons wash their hands.
0: Yeah, but do you And want I to- wouldn't eat a rac- raccoon, I can tell you that do you want to be watching a show, though, where people are just constantly washing their hands every before they make soup? Yes, I guess so.. I mean, I I mean if we're going to watch an episode where somebody makes soup, throw in a hand washing. what throw, the hell? Throw in a quick I mean dip in the in the lake in the center of town,
1: you know, and we're living in the middle of a pandemic. That kind of thing could go a long way in an episode in the in these days and times
0: as in influencing people to stay clean? Yeah, stay clean, wash your hands. Yeah.
1: Reinforcing that, uh, you know, that uh, that that idea.
0: Fair point, fair point. But I don't think overall anyone is dirtier than usual on the show, though, because, I mean, they're all pretty dirty. And as, uh, who do we go back to? One of the other uh, writers mentioned how uh, Daryl is always so, no, that's Karen. We're on Karen, right? So Karen said, Daryl's so dirty. Yeah. I mean, everybody's dirty and... But you're right. It doesn't make it all right. No, that's true. You could wash hands. I'm just saying, I don't think they're any more dirty than usual.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. So just as a general rule, wash your hands, people, as often as you can. You know, don't go way overboard, but you know, generally wash your hands every now and again.
0: Sounds like, sounds like good advice. Yeah. Okay. Bev in Brixham in Devon writes, I was watching this episode when my, when my ad about half When, at about halfway, my husband Rob said, Are they trying to make the worst episode ever? Once I told him that these were bonus episodes, they weren't really meant to move the plot along, he said that explained a lot. My question to you both is, if you didn't know that these were bonus episodes or anything about the show ending soon, would you have asked the same question as Rob?
1: Are they trying to make the worst episode ever? Is that the question we're trying to answer?
0: Well, that is the question. But I think the um, intention of the question is really, you know, why is this the worst episode ever? I think
1: I would have a bigger problem with the episodes if I didn't know the context around them. Uh, like the pandemic, like the bonus episodes, like the conditions under which they are producing these shows, I think I would have a bigger problem without that context. And now that Bev, now that you bring it up and that, uh, you know, your husband Rob has brought it up, uh, you know, I, I try and take that context out of, uh, Context. <laughs> I can't try and remove that uh, any kind of external context from my mind when watching these episodes, or even talking about these episodes. I don't watch the episodes again. I don't watch any uh, uh, any other shows about it. I don't read articles. I don't listen to podcasts. I I kind of try and live inside a bubble uh, for The Walking Dead for my own sanity. Uh, so the fact that I know context for these episodes. I think is making me mentally forgive them. So I think Rob has a point or Bev, you have a point in that without that context, I might be less forgiving.
0: Hmm. Less forgiving. Yeah. Um, maybe I, I think so too. I, I just wonder, I think it's a difficult thing to speculate on though, because I wonder if this episode or any of these were just dropped in the middle of a normal season under normal circumstances, would we even notice? I feel yeah, like I'd be, I'd totally be what the hell.
1: Okay. Dude, we just watched an episode about Carol fucking making soup for crying out loud.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like this one might stand out for that reason. Um, but it, the thing is, it would never get made this way during a normal run. There'd be more people around, there'd be more people on set. We'd probably have, you know, more characters doing more things. So it's difficult to say you know, not having any of that context, but, um, I hear what you're saying that you sort of, you sort of know the circumstances around which these were made and you deal with it and you, your mind just sort of says, okay, well, they can't have 25 people on set, all acting in a small room, you know? So we get two characters apart doing different things. Yeah. And It's
1: it's an interesting question. I don't know how, how to, What the answer would be,
0: ultimately. Yeah, exactly, because uh, we will never be in that situation.
1: Well, I have to jump to another reality where uh, I'm not aware of the context. All right. I assume that the context
0: still exists, but there's a reality where I'm not aware of it. Okay, well, why don't you do that and come back and let us know how it went? Uh... You don't have to do there's it
1: right a, now. No, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the logistics around that. Okay. I mean, there are there are ways you can uh, you can contact another reality. Uh, I was listening to a podcast. I forget what it was, but there's a there's a company that has a there's a, a, a like a physics mechanism which has uh, a particle which you can release that kind of go one part of the particle. It's like a it it it's like a particle that. Uh, goes into another reality and uh, another particle that stays in ours. It's kind of weird, but it actually, from a physics point of view and a math point of view, it kind of makes sense. So you can ask a question. You can say, I can't decide whether I want to do this or do that. And then you, uh, you know, pose that question to this physics particle and it splits off and it kind of makes a decision for this reality and a decision for that reality. So this reality, uh, and it responds to say, in this reality, you should decide to do that. Because in the other reality, we told that other guy to do the other thing. So you're you're now directed to do this, uh, you know, make this decision. Hmm. And you... I, uh, so I'm trying to figure out a way to use that mechanism to contact my other self to see. But I don't think we can get a response. I can only make a decision.
0: Are you sure you don't read too much science fiction? No, this is real. i no, want to find it's it for not. you. It, it absolutely is real. It, I, I've heard of entangled particles where they can, they seem to have an effect on each other when there is a, like a quantum effect on each other when there is yeah. no physical connection or whatever it is. I don't know anything about it. It's
1: quantum entanglement, yes. And that has two separate particles that interact regardless of uh, distance. There you go. That... And Seems, in real time, like in, it, like the speed of light doesn't factor into this thing. It happens at the same fucking time, yeah. regardless of distance. They're quantum entangled particles, which is fucked up shit.
0: I've heard of that. I think it's fascinating, but it still doesn't seem as crazy as particles traveling into other realities. Because who are you, Elon Musk? <laughs>
1: uh, Elon Musk is, you know, he's doing stuff in this reality,
0: isn't he? <laughs> well, don't don't tell him that because he thinks we're all living in a simulation which I guess is a different thing, to be fair. Well,
1: yeah, his simulation? I mean, he's got enough fucking money. Well,
0: maybe. Jeff Bezos, Jesus Christ. (laughs) All right. Well, lots to cover there, but that's for another time. (sighs) Uh, Next up is Emil in Sweden, who writes in, Hi, I noticed the ammo on the walker that Daryl killed. He looked like a reaper. So it's short and sweet, but this is a thing that's going around the internet right now where... Daryl runs into these military guys, a few of them, military zombies, and everyone thinks, okay, well, we were introduced to this Reapers group in the first episode with Maggie. That guy was wearing military fatigues, camouflage, and then these guys are. So, is there a connection? Are they the same group? I mean, why would they introduce the Reapers in that first episode and then never come back to them unless they're waiting till season 11? So, I think there's something to that. It could have just been a little hint or something in there to remind us subconsciously that they're out there, but I really don't know, but I thought it was worth mentioning.
1: Well, we should find out if they all killed themselves. Like if the Reapers are, you know, all committing suicide, they're not going to be a problem for very long.
0: No, they're not. But I don't think, well, that guy blew himself up. Of course, these were animated walkers. So they are dead for sure, but uh, they didn't blow themselves up. But I don't know. I mean, maybe these are just people in the group that for some reason died and became zombies and who knows how big the group is. I just think it could be a thing that these were members of that group, but it also assumes that they all wear military uh, clothing all the time, or at least camo clothing all the time, but you wouldn't think that'd be a thing anymore, but maybe.
1: That could be. You know, it did seem very uniformish rather than just, uh, ad hoc, whatever I could find clothing-wise.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, it'll be weird if the Reapers never come back again, but I don't think it's going to be next week because we know what that episode's all about. And then it's going to have to be season 11. So we got a bit, sure of, bit of waiting.
1: All right. You read two in a row, but in
0: order to get back to where we're supposed to be, you have to read the next one too. I read two in a row? Yeah. Oh, sorry. All right. That's okay. <laughs> this is Dale. We can't get off the off the pattern here. because
1: I'm it... all messed up if you go off the cadence or go off the, uh, the alternating thing.
0: I gotcha. So, okay, this is Dale in Maryland. Dale writes, this pandemic really has me watching the technical aspects of the show. Unless I am mistaken, at no time did both Carol and Daryl appear in the same shot, unless it was from behind. And then these could have been stunt doubles. Trickery. So it it's, it's interesting. I mean, they were only together in the episode at the very beginning, right? Before they went their separate ways and at the very end, I guess. <clears throat> yep. But I went and rewatched the beginning and sure enough, there's two or three shots of them walking along the path from behind. But when they're interacting, there's never a single shot with the two of them together. Sometimes there's an arm reaching, like when he's handing her the, the knife or when she's offering him the, the water canteen, but they're never in the same shot together. So it could very well be that they were never together to shoot that. And I think that's interesting. What about at the end? You know what? I didn't go back and check it at the end. Um, but my brain is telling me that they were at least, there was at least a wide shot with the two of them together. Yeah. I don't remember how the cutting during the actual conversation went.
1: Because that could be thematic, you know, in the cinematography in that uh, by not having them in the same shot, it shows their separateness, right? Like when yeah. uh, conversations, somebody's uh, having at a table, right? Uh, if, they're, if they're fighting, it's always over the shoulder, you know, shooting one person, shooting the other person, shooting the one person. But when they start to agree, uh, then you, they take, you see a shot of them both together. And you can also tell in a movie when uh, people are starting to fall in love or whatever in romantic comedies because uh, they start having uh, start wearing the same
0: colors rather than <laughs> opposing colors. Sure. That's from my wife. She's
1: like, oh, they got the same color on. They,
0: they must be in love now. Well, that's good. I mean, how else <laughs> would we know they were in love? <laughs>
1: yeah. So I'm just thinking if it was separate at the beginning but together at the end, that might be appropriate for the theme of the episode, right?
0: Yeah, it might be. That's a really good point. I might go back and check that in a little while. But the other thing I noticed from the beginning is that even when they were shot from behind as they were walking, they were still, you know, a good six feet apart. So they were maintaining the social distance. It feels like when they were doing that. That's good. And then dog was in between them. So he was kind of the barrier. Yeah. You got to watch out because dogs have, uh, they've reported cases in dogs now, right? I have heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. I've also heard that dogs can sniff it people, like dogs can be trained to smell it, smell COVID if you have it, which boy, if they could just hire a bunch of dogs to be the testers, I think a lot more people might get tested.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it depends on the number of false positives and more, even more worrying the false negatives, right? You know, some dogs could smell some cases in some people and then the whole thing goes out the window, right? Yeah. But dogs can smell other things, right? Like Parkinson's and Brain tumors and all kinds of weird things like dogs have
0: that sense that fucking the noses on dogs are is just phenomenal it's super uh canine like it's amazing it's I was gonna say superhuman but it's not it's super canine it's absolutely a superpower that dogs have sniffability. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dogs probably talking to each other, like when the dogs get together to have dog powwows and dog discussions and stuff, they probably talk about, did you know that one human could tell another human is crying without them actually making any noise? Did you know that? They could just look at their face and tell them not
0: to tell that that person is crying. Isn't that crazy?
1: That would be crazy. Yeah, that's nuts.
0: (laughs) It's nuts for dogs, yeah. (laughs) It's like, I
1: don't understand it. How can they do that? Friggin' humans and their
2: face recognition bullshit. It's crazy. (laughs) All right, next we have a call from Jordan. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Jordan from the Nighttime Podcast here. Uh, Chris, you may remember meeting me in Toronto, I think about a year or two ago. Regardless, it was in the prior world that existed before the pandemic. That's the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, is there irony in the fact that the world that we live in now seems to be slowly getting back to normal. And one of the big signs of that, at least for me, is the fact that the fictional show of the apocalypse that I like is back on TV, and that has made the world feel a bit more normal. Um, But regardless if there's any strange meaning behind that, I'm glad that The Walking Dead is back. I'm glad that your show is back covering The Walking Dead, even if these aren't the best episodes with the most to discuss. The way I see it, and you've talked about this a lot in the prior episodes, is we're seeing kind of like the COVID-friendly production version of the walking dead and although we don't have the huge scenes of you know battles with all sorts of characters and all this other things going on i think the fact that these episodes are able to keep us entertained and drawn in is a testament to the show's quality like these the characters we're seeing in these episodes We've grown to love them and, and know them, and that's really the only reason why we're able to sit through an hour of Carol chasing a rat and Daryl looking for a screwdriver. Um, we're still entertained by it. Uh, maybe that was a part of the struggle with the episode about Princess. We don't have the connection to her yet that we do with, with Daryl and, and Carol. But regardless, I love the show so much and I love the characters so much that I'm okay with kind of just seeing them hang out. I would watch an hour of them, you know, preparing supper and sitting down and eating it, because even that would be a lot better than most of the stuff that's on television these days. I'm very much looking forward to next week's episode, though, where I suspect we're going to get to learn a bit more about Negan and we can all go for learning more about his time before the few years he spent in a prison cell, it seems. Anyway, Jason and Chris, I appreciate the show. I appreciate you helping The Walking Dead come to life. <laughs> um, I didn't even plan that, but that's, that kind of works. Uh, you bring The Walking Dead to life. Thanks, guys. I look forward to everything that's coming.
0: Fantastic. Thanks you. Thank you, Jordan. So, new slogan for the show here, Jason. The Talking Dead. We bring The Walking Dead to life. <laughs> it's not bad. It's a little self-aggrandizing but it is funny <laughs> it's definitely funny um i wanted to comment on jordan's point about last week's episode versus this week's episode here's like we originally maybe i shouldn't say we but i kind of complained last week about you know a whole episode about princess a character that we have very little history with and it didn't really work for me but uh-huh. by the end of our discussion I sort of liked the episode a little bit more, and I could see what they were doing, and I felt more kind of on board knowing that that this information about Princess will inform, you know, future storylines. This episode is about two characters that have been around forever that we know really well that— um, that we we see and we get an episode like this about them, which doesn't really seem well, that focuses on them, but doesn't really seem to drive anything forward very much, and I gotta say by the end of our conversation, I didn't like it less, but I don't think I really liked it anymore. Mm. So I don't know what all that means, but it is what it is, and uh it kind of makes me appreciate the Princess episode more than I did at the time.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't think we can read a whole, we'd have to read a whole lot more into it other than what's on, you know, uh, the face value there. So I think that that's important. That sometimes when you talk about something, it uh, it makes it better. And sometimes when you talk about something, it makes no impact whatsoever. <laughs> and that
0: seems to be exactly what's happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's the same theory I have about music, right? You listen to a song uh, enough times, you confuse the familiarity with it with actually liking it. There are songs that, you know, I've mentioned this before. There are songs from the 80s that I like now, but I fucking hated in the 80s. hmm So, and it's because I've listened to them, instead of listening to them five times back in the 80s, I've listened to them to a couple of hundred times now. And uh, now I like it. Sure. Just gets into walk, your brain
0: and sticks there.
1: Walk Like an Egyptian. Oh, man, I can't tell you how much I hated that song in the
0: 80s. Now, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, well, they're, they're a good band. I, I, I don't mind the Bangles, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't mind them at all. So. No, of course not. But back in the eighties, you're right. I probably would have been like, what the hell is this? This isn't Guns N' Roses, which was my favorite band for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked Manic Monday. Good song. Very good song. Yeah. Very good song.
1: I, I'm not a big fan of the Guns N' Roses, except for Sweet Child of Mine. I don't think I ever really liked
0: Guns N' Roses. Dude, Appetite for Destruction is a classic. Like, put I it on I can't recall now. it in my head at this point. Yes, you can. You
1: know, I could probably, uh, November Rain, I can recall, and Sweet Child of Mine, but uh, Appetite for Destruction, maybe uh, Paradise City. Yeah. But uh, not, I can't. I don't recall that song.
0: Welcome to the Jungle. You'll have to hum a few bars. No, you know it as soon as you, you heard it. But boy, was I into them for a number of years there. And I still am. Like, I put that on sometimes because I absolutely love it still. No, I like Slash. I think he's fantastic.
1: Yeah. But. You know, the drummer that was in Sweet Child of Mine, I thought the drumming in that was, uh, well, at the time it was so, like now looking back, it was so simplistic that even me, a non-drummer at the time could figure it out and it kind of got me into drumming. But, uh, he wasn't the drummer for very long. He had a drug problem and they kicked his ass out.
0: Yeah. Well, there was- but Slash,
1: th- I'm I'm all on board with Slash. I think he's fantastic.
0: There were definitely some problems like that with the band for a long time and a lot of bands at the time, you know? Uh, I'll, anyways, thank you, Jordan, for calling in. I just wanted to shout out Jordan does the nighttime podcast, which is about Canadian true crime mysteries and weirdness as <laughs> I think those, I think those are his words. Um, but check it out. It's a very cool show. Nighttimepodcast.com. I recommend it. Mm. Uh, it's my turn, right? I don't want to screw is the there, order up again. No, that's it. You're up. All right. Nathan on the internet writes. I thought some of the dialogue between Carol and Jerry was pretty forced. In their first conversation, I kept feeling like they weren't listening to each other while the other was speaking, to the point where I wondered if they were even acting on the set at the same time. So there, that comes up again. I also agree with you guys that Alexandria felt empty. I think they might have added some sound effects of people being busy in the background to help it feel more full, but I didn't quite buy the false reality of it. I don't think there was much point in any of the tension building moments in the episode either, such as Daryl struggling with walkers. I think with smaller episodes like this, it's best to let go of all that and focus more on intimacy, dialogue, psychological exploration, and world building. Although there was some of that with Carol, I thought her needing needing something to fix plotline was a bit too simplistic for such a wonderfully complex character.
1: Yeah, and pretty gender biased now that I think about it as well.
0: You know, Carol makes soup where Daryl fixes a motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't even occurred, that hadn't even occurred to me until now. Me neither. It makes me kind of sad. Yeah, it's true. It sort of does. She could have just fixed stuff around,
1: you know... uh, (laughs) She goes to Jerry and says, give me something to do. I need something to do. And then his stomach rumbles and says, I could use something to eat. It's like, wow, why don't I go fix you a sandwich or something, right? He's like, no, I'm going to make soup, which obviously is, I've talked about this. It's too late. by the t- If you're hungry, starting to make soup is just, it's too late. You're done. Like, <laughs> go find something
0: else to eat and make soup.
1: But it, uh, I got
0: some, I got some. Well, she, she did fix the solar panels too. She did that.
1: She did. Maybe she could have done that throughout the whole episode instead of making soup.
0: Well, solar panel repair. I mean, it seems pretty important.
1: It's very important. And there could have been other stuff around that she could have fixed. I'm just, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little worried. Uh, I'm a little disappointed from a feminist point of view at this point.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't think it's going to come up again. Not right away, but maybe they should have had that in mind when they were putting this one together.
1: But then again, does it make me a bad person to think that that uh, you know it's it's sexist for her to make soup? Which you no, know, she's perfectly capable of making soup if she wants to make soup, and if she wants to make soup, that's fine, right? Who am I to say that she shouldn't make soup just because she's a woman? Like, God damn it, I I feel bad about me now.
0: Well, I'm sorry, Jason. I didn't mean to make you feel bad, and neither did Nathan. I'm sure. I'm confused.
1: If she <laughs> okay, i I think I've settled on if Carol wants to make soup. That's fine with me. Of if she course. wants to try and catch a rat, that's fine with me too. If she wants to cook a rat, you know, you know all the power to you. Just clean it first.
0: Just, just do right? what you want, is uh, what you're saying.
1: Yeah, you be you, Carol. It's all good. Very, very good. All right. Next, we have an email from Grace in Perth, Western Australia. I just wanted to say that season 10, episode 21 just aired last night and was an entire episode about dog. Or should I say seven? He's so gorgeous. I'm so happy they decided to do an episode of the most lovable character. And just for your interest, Dog is a Belgian shepherd. Melinois?
0: Mal- I, I don't know. Malin, Mal- Malin- Malinois or Malin- Malinois? Maybe Malinois. Malinois variety. <laughs> I, I
1: myself have a, here's another word, terverin. Turverin variety, which is a long-haired. Her name is Ruby. Uh, BSDs are so smart, clever, and really intuitive. They really can do anything you teach them and in a short time too.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Grace. I just included that sort of for general interest about the type of dog that dog is. His real name is Seven. And I looked up some pictures of Belgian shepherds and sure enough, they look just like dog and they're adorable. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: If I got a dog, I'd get a dog that was a dog type. I wouldn't I don't know if I can't think of a specific breed I would get. Not a Newfoundlander, I can tell you
0: that. Oh, they're so awesome though. They're huge.
1: Well, that's the problem. I mean they their their temperament is absolutely amazing. They will not attack for any reason whatsoever, or even bat an eyelash. You can send them out into a field of kids and they can all tug at its fur and everything and it'd be fine. But the weighs like fucking three hundred pounds. Yeah. They're big maybe not that much, but Damn it, they're fluffy too. So they're absolutely massive. Yeah. I don't think I could handle a Newfoundlander.
0: No, I don't think I could either, but they are beautiful dogs and I, I enjoy looking at them, but I'm not sure yeah. I'd want one in my house all the time.
1: And they love to pull things too. Like you tie that thing to a toboggan and put a kid on that toboggan and those two would have fun all day long.
0: Can I ride the toboggan?
1: Yes, you can. Nice. We used to, uh, when I worked at the, uh, the booking agency, we used to hire them out for, uh. Uh, pulling, there were wheeled toboggans. So in the summer they'd uh, you put the kids in and the dog would run around with the kid on it. Also that known as a wagon, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, it's not, not really a full wagon, but like a little tiny wagon, uh, was like, uh, not wagon wheels on it, but like go-kart wheels kind of thing. And it was made out of steel. When I, when I think of this thing uh, with a mental picture, I don't think wagon, I think go-kart summer sled. <laughs>
0: sled for the summer also known as a (laughs) go-kart without an engine i guess
1: well yeah dog all
0: right well that's hilarious um and sounds like a delightful time (laughs) yeah all right so we got two more emails here they're both kind of long and they're they're opposites so i thought we'd finish off with these two the first one comes from our friend matt in lindenwald new jersey and matt says dear talking heads meaning people who talk for this entertainment venture, not the band.
1: (laughs) Although the band is very good, and I take it as a compliment.
0: Thank you. I didn't write in last week because, frankly, I thought the episode was terrible and didn't have any constructive negativity to send along. Unfortunately, this week wasn't much better. You know, I really enjoy the small episodes, but this was another that had no point, but also wasn't entertaining to watch. The best part of the episode was Dog going with Carol and Daryl's, all right, I see how it is, attitude about it. They forced in the random dumb decision, Daryl under the car, the faux drama, Daryl falling down the small embankment and fighting the zombie for dramatic purposes. But it really was just boring fluff. In the episode's defense, I'm guessing Daryl went back to his bike through the woods, slightly off the train track so the zombies wouldn't follow him back. It did appear to me that when he was fixing the bike, he saw a crawling zombie in both directions, but only killed one. I didn't go back to confirm that, though, so I'm probably just wrong. The Carol making soup and punching drywall storyline just stunk. The bright spot there was getting to see Jerry. I've never liked Carol as much as you guys, and most people do, so at least I can revel in others disliking the episode. Here's hoping the Negan episode next week is good, I won't hold these episodes against the Walking Dead team, though. They at least attempted to make a few episodes to hold people over until the final season, which will surely take three years to finish. Ha ha. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so that's Matt's pretty negative take on it. Um, And, you know, Daryl going back to his bike after killing that uh, walker down the embankment, I had said what happened to all the others that were around that were chasing him, but I guess... As Matt says, maybe Daryl took a slightly different route and was able to avoid them.
1: Yeah, cardio. You know, you, you run around for a while and get them, off your, uh, get them off your tail.
0: That's what you do. That's what you do. But uh, yeah. thank you, Matt, for that take.
1: Now, I've been thinking about Carol a little bit. And I have said that I like Carol and she has, was one of my favorite characters or is my favorite character. And I think that's kind of a, a holdover from like season four. Where Carol was a badass, and she was killing little girls left and right, and she shot the shit out of Terminus, and uh, she was a complex character. And then remember that one time she had machine guns up her sleeves? Right. Remember that? Yeah. So that was dumb, but, you know, awesome in a certain point of view. But I'm not sure Carol's my favorite character anymore. Now that, uh, Matt, you bring it up, I, I think maybe... I kind of hung on to Carol being my favorite character far beyond the actual feeling that she's my favorite character. I don't know if I could pinpoint my favorite character at the moment, maybe Aaron.
0: Yeah. I I don't want to get into a favorite character right now. It's, it's, I think they all kind of have their, their pros and cons a little bit and that's the way characters are of course. Yeah. There isn't for me a clear favorite anymore Carol, I, I see what you mean, right? Like there was a time when she was really fascinating, especially early on. She has changed a lot, you know, the character as we've gone through this show. But I see someone
1: can... from like a meek mouse in season one and season two into a, you know, she transformed into this, into this fucking superhero badass chick in season four. <laughs> uh, and now she's turned into a wishy-washy soup making,
0: uh, kook. Well, I wouldn't know if I'd say wishy-washy soup making kook, but I think the point is that she's flip-flopped back and forth or struggled with the same issues for a long time. And and I know that's a bit of a problem with this this show. And how much can how much can you do in the zombie apocalypse? One of the criticisms is that this show is rinse and repeat, where there's there's a big bad, they struggle, they're beaten down, somehow they overcome. And then they're okay for five minutes. And then there's another big bad and they do the same thing. And we've seen that cycle repeat. I wonder if Carol's individual character cycle has been on repeat for a little while. And that's why you're feeling this way, right? It has been the same since season four and between season one to season four or five or whatever it was, that's when her greatest character development took place. And she seemed the most interesting. But now we've had just as long without that thing kind of happening. And they're trying to make her struggles with Daryl really interesting. And I'm not saying it won't be, but maybe we just aren't quite there yet.
1: And, and you kind of bring up, you kind of touched on something, not really directly bringing it up, but you touched on something that uh, I also been thinking about in the last few days in that how this show, uh, you know, is kind of rinse and repeat. You know, you have a bad guy, you fight a bad guy, you defeat a bad guy. Uh, You have some downtime, and then you do it all again. You fight a bad guy. But then all shows are like that. But some of the really good ones have another component that The Walking Dead does not have, and I don't think can have. Like, look at uh, uh, Breaking Bad, or I've been rewatching Dexter, or even... Uh, 24, where you have these, uh, you know, those are all kind of badass shows uh, where you have, in the case of Dexter, it's a serial killer, so he's kind of evil. But in Breaking Bad, he's a bad guy. And in um, 24, he was a good guy. But the component that they all have is these characters all have a personal life where they're trying to maintain and keep separate from their action life. Right, uh, you know Walter White is his struggle is between being uh, this being uh, this guy who cooks meth and is a badass gangster kind of guy, yet trying to maintain this home life. Mm-hmm. And Dexter does the same uh, does the same thing. He's trying to maintain this life that he has. Meanwhile, he's uh, he's got this struggle with. Uh, killers that he's, that he's trying to best or find serial killers and defeat them and what have you. And they conflict with his home life. Same with Breaking Bad and even 24, every episode of 24 had a personal life component that conflicted with his professional life of trying to, you know, save the universe. Mm -hmm. The Walking Dead doesn't have that because the very premise of the show is that that normal life, that mundane life has been destroyed and that all that's left is the action life. And so there's no conflict there between the action life and the personal life.
0: Yeah, but couldn't you say that the struggle is them trying to get the personal life back, like get the the sense of normalcy back a little bit, in, in whatever form it comes, right? And that's yeah. the struggle, even though they, they're striving for it rather than trying to maintain it.
1: It could be, yeah. but we've been getting, you know, uh, Meet bad guy, fight bad guy, defeat bad guy, rinse and repeat. Whereas all these other shows have the same, you know, season arcs, you know, meet bad guy, fight bad guy, defeat bad guy. But they have that extra component of, oh yeah, I've got to, you know, try and keep my wife from finding out that I'm a serial killer or what have you.
0: Right. So, well, uh, anyway, I I just thought that was interesting. It is a really interesting take.
2: the,
0: The fact that those shows have kind of the same secondary element to them is interesting. And I wonder if you think about it, more shows are like that. This is not to say that I think the walking dead is strictly meet bad guy, defeat bad guy, rinse and repeat. There's definitely more to it than that about keeping those you love safe about doing horrible things and being able to come back from that, you know, whatever that means, but just live a live a content life after doing some terrible things. There's all those kinds of themes too. Um, but, but they're different. You're right. They're different than having the stable family life and trying to maintain that or keep it separate from the action or evil or whatever it is, life that you live on top of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's other shows like they're, they're, that kind of meet this, the same formula and do it well as, uh, as well. I mean, Lost, you know, destroyed their personal lives right at the, in the, the, pilot episode and they had to live their lives from that point forward without that personal conflict, but they had flashbacks, which showed the personal conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then he had Battlestar Galactica, which is almost exactly like a zombie television show. And one of the reasons why I wanted a zombie television show, you know, the apocalypse has happened and they have escaped in their own personal mall and the mall is flying around and has (laughs) nukes in the case of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, And the you know, there's, there's a bit of personal struggle there with, uh, Adama and, um, what's his eyebrows? Jamie Bamber. What was his uh, call sign? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Apollo. So, uh, so there's a bit of a personal conflict there, but it's also the same kind of storylines as we have here, but it's all, you know, single bad guy from the entire run of the show instead of having multiple bad guys. Anyway. We could dissect it to her blue in the face, but I just, I think that because we don't have that dimension, might seem might seem a bit samey after a
0: while. It it, it might, it very well could. Um, and to just cycle it or bring it all back. I mean, this was started by talking about Carol, um, and how she's been going through the same sort of struggles for a while now. Um, but it's kind of one dimensional think is ultimately what it is, right? She progressed a lot, got to a point and then became stagnant a little, but who knows? I mean, we have, you know, we have one more full season to go with this and I hope they can really make it worthwhile for all the characters involved, big or small, you know, and, and, uh, and make it an exciting season and, and resolve everything in a nice Wrapped up package with a bow on it. <laughs> that would be fancy and likely a nice, unlikely.
1: <laughs> a nice uh, bow made from entrails. Of course, let's say because she, fa- you know, Carol found that uh, scarf thing, and I thought it was entrails. So maybe we could wrap an entrail bow around it. Oh, beautiful and gross and gross. <laughs> All right, finally, finally, we have an email from Hannah in Daphne, Alabama. Hannah writes, I found you guys almost exactly a year ago, and you pulled me through the long days of the shutdown and the uncertainty. The running joke in my house is that somehow I found two Canadian best friends while locked down in coastal
0: Alabama. Right. So if we could stop here for one second, I had, when I read this email from Hannah, for some reason, a thought came to my mind and it was, you know what, how fun would it be to just abandon everything, hop in a car and drive around and meet all of our podcast <laughs> listeners like this who call us two Canadian best friends. <laughs> yeah. Could be you know? fun. Just drive around. It's like, hey, Hannah, we're here. We're just here to say hi. And then we move on to the next one. And <laughs> like, how fun and weird and creepy would that be all at the same time?
1: It would be a whole lot rolled into one. Let's just say that. And let's, <laughs> if we're going to do that, let's give it a year uh, before we do that, shall we? Like like, not leave for a year or hit the road but, but, and be gone for a year? Well, not leave for a year. We'll give it a year before we leave. Okay, all right. Enough. Just let everything settle down a little bit more, I think. Oh. Maybe it's probably for the best. Uh, and then we'll drive around and uh, show up at people's houses and be creepy as hell. Hi, we're po- two podcasters from the internet. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you later. Just came to say hi. <laughs> yeah. We're on the road. Yeah. It'd be fun. All right. It would be fun and creepy and weird all at the same time. Uh, okay, so continuing on, Hannah writes, uh, I'm in the minority, minority here, but I love this episode, and I think it will overall set us up for a big emotional response to later episodes. In my opinion, the Alexandria scenes pre-Negan were comfortable time. Everybody had shelter, food, jobs, an actual community. Uh, stakes were relatively low, and then boom. Negan comes to town and that safe space, it was ruined. It's uncomfortable to watch because they want the villain, Negan, to walk through our heroes' homes to feel like we, the viewers, are actually the violated ones. So there are, uh, so here we are in this time jump and we've lost a lot of fan favorites. Things have been shaky for a while and honestly losing one person or another is just like, oh shit, they're dead, now what? We need a baseline for our perceived normal, to lower our guard and raise the stakes. That is the larger purpose of the episode, in my opinion. The mundane Carol seeking purpose and finding it. That's why nothing was behind the wall. I don't know about you guys, but I was waiting for something, and then it was nothing. Because there's nothing to be scared of, right? Uh, I think Angela and the writers just want us to feel comfortable where where we are so we can yank the rug out from under us in the last five or six viewers when we get to the final season. Uh, Angela writes an emotional show that sneaks up on you. I think she's setting us up for a strong final season and I cannot wait to watch it. Yeah. So
0: interesting point there, Anna. that they're, they're sort of lulling us into submission a little bit, nothing in the walls because there is nothing to be scared of. And then, you know, we're going to have season 11, when everything goes crazy again and, uh, the rug is pulled out from under us and we all have this huge emotional response. So frankly, I look forward to it. So, yeah. And this
1: is my concept of, uh, buying in, paying off, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, and, uh, you know, season two was like that. Beginning of season two, the first half of season two, the first bunch of episodes, boring as shit, right? That nothing happened. They were on Herschel's farm. Uh, you know, they argued, uh, they pissed and moaned, they went and searched for things. I think that's when, uh, uh, when Carol had the, not Carol, uh, when What's-Her-Name had the master class from Shane. Uh, so it was boring, but then friggin' Sophia came out of the barn and everything was worth it, right? Like it was just such a, a payoff that uh, everything up before was absolutely and immediately forgiven. Totally. So maybe we're doing that again. Maybe we're, you know, we're buying in, you know, that we're paying a, an emotional and mental cost at this point And that, uh, Angela Kang has got plans for us and, uh, we'll, it'll pay back tenfold. Our, our, our ship will come in. Our horse will win. We'll, uh, you know, hit all lucky sevens. We'll get a 21 and blackjack. Mm -hmm. How many more of these? Are you going to just let me go on here? Anyway. Go for it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe Angela's got a plan.
0: Well, listen, I have complete faith in her. I think she's proven herself as a fantastic showrunner, despite everyone hating this episode. She's done some of the show's best work over the last couple of seasons. So Angie will bring it together. I have confidence and it's going to be great.
1: Yes, I, I, I agree with your optimism. Good. I don't agree with what,
0: exactly what you're saying. I have hopes, but I, uh, I applaud your optimism. All right. Well, I think she's going to get it done. So I agree with Hannah. Um, I can't wait to watch it. Season 11 is going to be fantastic and I look forward to it. But we do have one more episode of season 10 to cover before, you know, we have to worry about season 11 at all. And that is next week's episode of The Walking Dead, which, as we speak, is available on AMC+. So uh, some people might have watched it already, but it's the last one, and I'm here, and it's pretty good. So I'm looking forward to getting around to this one this weekend. Now, the title of this upcoming episode is called Here's Negan, and I'm pretty sure we have plenty of listeners out there who could have some fun doing a title read for that. Yep. So everybody, I expect some good title reads this week for Here's Negan, um and I will be disappointed if I don't get any. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Just go back and watch Johnny Carson and
0: Or the Shining. So don't let me down. That's right, The Shining, for sure. <laughs> uh anyways, that is the next episode coming up. We will be back next week on Tuesday to cover that, of course. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com and send us a voicemail by clicking on the send voicemail link at the top of the page. You can also visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or send all your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All your relevant emails. Don't send emails that were meant for your mom to us. That's not going to be helpful. Or your boss. No, that's right. Don't send your work emails to us. Or your bank. You know, (laughs) just send us Relevant emails, please. Relevant emails uh, with title reads and things like that. So that's coming up next week. For now, that is it for this one. I hope you enjoyed, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.